Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland. And James, uh, we've got a very special guest, an old pal of yours to talk to. Yeah, today. yeah, really special guest, because yeah. we've got Mike Chalky Peters. And Chalky and I go back a, a, a fair way, it has to be said. Um, Chalky's far, former Army Air Corps. Um, he's a, a, a published historian, uh, glider pilot over Sicily, glider pilot at Arnhem. Um, he's just written a book about the uh, about the Eighth Air Force at, at um, Ridgewell, and he's also former head of the Guild of Battlefield Guides, mm. and um, he's run businesses doing battlefield guiding. Uh, and Chalky and I first got to know we got to know each other, didn't we? Chalky go, going to Sicily, we were both there at the infamous PCA breakdown moment on the beach. We were there, we witnessed <laughs> we it, <were>. <laughs> um, and. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you're an absolute mine of information about this, not just um, about glider pilot regiment, but also um, a, a, about being on the ground at Market Garden. You know, both at Arnhem, Nijmegen, Eindhoven, the whole shebang. So, yeah, very lucky. I, I, I was looking through some stuff yesterday, and I, 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 there was a little uh, bit. In fact, it's in the acknowledgements of the book, the, saying thanks to the, the the sergeant pilot from the parachute regiment who took me on my first battlefield visit to. Uh, to Arnhem in 1984. Wow. Yeah, and we we, we bumped into some glider pilots there. And it, it was just for nothing that, I mean, I already had the bug, but once I'd seen the ground and, and been around the old Hartenstein, et cetera, and I was going on a monthly basis, really, with, with groups of soldiers in minibuses. And then after a while, a guy who was the curator of the museum said, I'm going to take the guys out again. You've done this tour a thousand times. Why don't you just stay here in the archives? So he used to lead me in the archives at the Hartenstein and... Uh, go through whatever I wanted, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. It, was, it was amazing. So so is the archive at the Hartenstein, that's pretty good, is it? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it was then, yeah, and, it, and, it, and a lot of it's digitised now. Uh, I, I mean, there's so many different sources you can go to now. I mean, as we were talking about earlier, you know, so many of the books are the same. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you've now got Pegasus Archive and Paradata and, yeah. and, and all the very good Dutch historians who, who know that ground intimately you know not not least luke who helped me with the book luke boost you know who, who's a co-author on the on the glider parts on the book they 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 know every single fold of that ground yeah. even though it's been built over the way it is yeah i mean uh, having having wa- walked it uh very recently uh the thing the thing i think that i st- started to become really struck by is it's a peculiar battlefield and that we almost know every inch of it um you know, you know every every house, who's in every house, pretty much. Mm. Um, the the because it's a contained period of time. You know, it's nine days in total. It's sort of, it's 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 almost. You, you'd think you could know everything there is to know about it, but evidently yeah. that's impossible. <laughs> even even with only ten thousand men landing in the city, you know, yeah. landing in Arnhem and Oosterbeek. You, you know what I mean? It's just this sort of, it it it. it no matter how deep you push into it, there's more to find, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like the Wellington quote about being you know, the dancing at a ball, you know. Yeah. And and every time I was lucky enough to walk around there with glider pilots, mainly glider pilots, you know, and yeah. some of the stories they'd come out, I think, wow, I didn't know that, and that's not in any history I've ever read, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and then somebody said, oh yeah, I was just across the road, and I saw something completely different, you know, as as they did. But um, <laughs> it it is that's part of the chaos, though, how well documented it is. And how much bad history there is about it, you know. Go on, well, Go on uh, well, Give us know. some bad history then. Go on, go on. Well, I just, you know, I just, what do you think is the bad there's stuff? There's some good history. I mean, you know, we're all going to go on to, we're, we're, obviously we're going to mention the British too far, you mm. know. And, and we all, we all, that's our key point. And to the point where I've taken staff college people there or, or, or you know, civilian groups and say, who are you talking about, Megan? You know the guy Sean, or, Sean Connery played? Oh, him, yeah. And they, they associate <laughs> Horrocks with, with your man, you know. It, it's yeah. just everybody. So... It's just how could you make that film and get it all right, and how could you 
get the whole story in. And there's so many what-if moments in there that aren't in there and and so many human dynamics aren't in there. I mean, I, it, there are just some very dodgy books of myths, you know, and, and the same old photographs being trotted out time and time again, you know, and you think, come on, guys, try a little bit harder, you know, try yeah. just do a little bit more and look look somewhere else. You know? Yeah. I suppose the thing I find really interesting is is you kind of you you do I think we all feel we know the story of mm. of the bridge, don't we? We've kind of well, we think done we do, that. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what I mean. I mean that's mm, the, that's the bit that's mm. being covered ad infinitum, isn't mm. it? But all the kind of fighting in the woods to the north, you know, even on day one, you know, um, um, the first battalion getting sort of snarled and all that, and then there's got a destruction of fourth brigade. It's just. It's just fascinating, all that, isn't it? And and the, yeah. and you know when Al and I were standing out there the other day, and we were looking across at it and looking at these huge woods, and then that huge ridge line, mm. and sort of in the far, far distance, you could just see that huge kind of mast that's now on on kind of just above mm. Den Brink in in, yeah. in Arnhem itself. And you're thinking, flipping out, that's quite a hike. You know, that, that's yeah. like me being in Broadshot looking at Salisbury Cathedral. You yeah. know, it's, it's quite and a long way And you away. try not to think about Gene Hackman saying, just checking whose side you're on you, 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 yeah. as, you, as you do it. Um, well, well, this was the striking thing, Mike, because when we went, because we, 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 walked, we walked from, um, uh, you know, uh, Hilsom to the bridge along the line route, mm. basically. And then, and then the next day we went back out in the coach to the landing zones, and when you get to the the centre of the well, the LZs and DZs are, it, it's obvious why they chose them. They're perfect. They're, they're 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 exactly what you'd want if what you're trying to do is dump a vast amount of people, organise them, and then you know go to battle. It's they're 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 absolutely perfect. You can, you, and you can see why the air planners were keen on them. <laughs> why in the end the glider, you know why 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 you know. Urquhart and Division accepted them, and of course the push, the push me pull you in the historiography about who, where that idea comes from, who, mm. who owns choosing the landing zones? Is it the army? Is it the air force? Yeah. Is it First Allied Airborne Army? Is it the air component? Is it you know? Brereton, yeah. Who yeah. does it? Who does that? Or Williams even? Who does it belong yeah. to? That decision, but when you're standing there in the middle, you think, "Well, this is I'd this I'd pick this." <laughs> I've got to yeah. say, say Chalky, um, I was just standing there going. Well, you would, wouldn't you? You would. <laughs> well, 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 actually, you know, when when you when you really do get into the the, the week leading up to it, and yeah. or let's go back a bit beyond, yes. beyond comet. Yeah, you know, it all seems quite. Yeah, that's and it's a bit like the first of July, isn't it? On the song, you know, you think if you if you read the plan and you don't know the enemy plan and forget the enemy's got a vote, you think. Yeah. And what seems to be happening? You know, we just got. We just taken Brussels. We're doing sixty yeah. miles in a day. So, yeah. Well, everything's in collapse. Uh, and, and perhaps, you know, one of the things I do argue sometimes when I've had a couple of beers is maybe if they'd gone when they said they were going to do Comet with, with the marketing on, like, it might have worked. But then yeah. every time you get to that, you talk to, I used to talk to Arthur Shackleton, one of the glider parts, and he used to tell me the story about being, going back down the corridor afterwards, through to nine, Megan, by ambulance, and the ambulance being stopped numerous times by German checkpoints because they could cut the corridor, checking, the, checking who was in the ambulance, who wasn't, and letting them go, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I think that, the big one for me, which I, uh, when I was researching, was when uh, George Chatterton, the CEO of the Glide yes. Fire Regiment, says to Browning, we can do a coup de main, you know, that bridge is big enough. We can land horses on the bridge. It's that yeah. big. And yeah. nobody wants to take that risk. Yeah, well, they, they, he, he says they accused him of being a, 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 a murderer. Yeah, yeah. This is the man who goes into Ponte Grande and, you know, and, yeah. and in Sicily. So, yeah, and, and, and I think... To go, to, without wishing to go right to the end, if, you, if we yeah. go right to the end and you, you listen to that audio clip of Urquhart and he says, you know, even if we'd known all the things that we now know, we'd still have gone. Yeah. And there's that that difference of culture between 1st Airborne Division and 6th Airborne Division. I don't think Windy Gale would have gone. Well, I, but, 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 I, but I also think that, that, that there's a difference there in the culture between the two divisions in that there isn't a first airborne division culture because no. it's not been raised. Yeah. It's been raised piecemeal. It's been cobbled together. Yeah. Um, it, it's been brought to battle in sort of all sorts of different ways, whereas six airborne has one thing to do. Yeah. Is tra- ra- raised and trained with one purpose. He's picking his lieutenant colonels. Mm. He's picking his brigadiers, Gail. Yeah. You know, he's he's yeah. he's kitting himself out with clean sheet of paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and and he's not entangled in a lot of the stuff that's that's come with the fo- formation and foundation of airborne forces. All these people 
you, you know, he, he seems to have a cleaner sheet in terms of the, sort of the ambitions of the players as well. Uh, yeah, I was just going to use know, the ego word. I was just going to well, say there was a lot less ego around around Six Airborne. Yeah, so, Airborne. so it's yeah. so it seems, and, and I mean, it's certainly you know we ended up talking about this a fair bit on the on the tour. The fact that you know. I think when the, the moment when Hackett arrives at the Hartenstein and tries to pull rank, mm. and I know he's obviously he's pissed off because he's had a, he's had a battalion taken off him, mm. and that's Hicks's decision. Who's, who's done that in Urquhart's absence? So he's probably thinking, well, has he really got the authority to do this? But to turn up and do that just seems yeah. like a very strange way to enter mm. the scene. You know, you, mm. you you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Hackett's brave as a brave as an ox. Well, he's, he's, not, he's, can't deny that, but you know, I can't deny that, but but. I mean, the conclusion, conclusion I think we both came to, Al, was, was that none of the brigade commanders are particularly impressive, really. <laughs> well, you know, let's look at... Lathbury, you know, he's, it's, Lathbury's part of the plan is to send the three battalions down three separate routes. Yeah. So the, the well, that's not a great the, idea, is it? Well, it, on paper, it seems a good idea because he wants to get to the bridge quickly and he doesn't want them to get in each other's way. So let's go down. And it's old men and bicycles or whatever you believe the intelligence brief is, you know, he's going to yeah. go for that. He, uh, yeah. But, you know, it's almost But he like, delays an hour. What, yeah, what, what's yeah. he doing? Faffing about? Yeah. Get a move on. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the radios, let's not talk about crystals, but the, the radio comes themselves. The, the situational awareness of, of Urquhart when he's on the ground in the back of his horse, a glider, using it as a command post, you know, and he can't get hold of anyone. He can't get hold of Goff, and he can't. He doesn't want. So he sets off to find Goff. Goff sets off to to find, find Frost. Him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all. And of course, once you once you check, retune your answer, lose the frequency on that that type of radio in those days, you've got to stand still and be static to tune back in again. So once you've lost comms, you've lost comms. You know, it's yeah, it's a difficult thing to do. And and in that scenario, that's absolutely critical yeah. in the first few hours. Yeah, yeah, especially as. As you, you know, your USP as airborne soldiers is turning up while everyone's trying to figure out what to do about you. And if you're yeah. trying to figure out what to do, yeah, you're burning that time away, aren't you? You're you're you can't put yourself in the same chaotic position as the enemy uh, no. uh, finds himself. Um, anyway, um, the, the the can we talk about the Glider Pilot Regiment because because it's a it's such a fascinating story. Because I mean, is it the shortest lived regiment in the history of the British Army? I'm I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, there, there, somebody's going to pop up on, especially in the independent company, and say, "Oh, actually, no. There's 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 a, a group of bottle washers who are in luck now in 1749 or whatever." Yeah, but you know, yeah. in in modern times, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it is. If you chant it as it's wartime, because it goes, yeah. it actually technically exists until 1957. Yeah. But, but uh, the the old army air corps collapses at the end of the Second World War, is broken up, etc. So yeah, combat wise, they are. I think yeah, definitely. Because it's it. I mean, it's it's the most. I mean, the most amazing sort of genesis, isn't it? Because they've got this endless problem that the RAF don't want to give them any aircraft to mm. to practice mm. with. Pilot training is 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 after all the RAF's thing, mm. and then you've got the Rock and Chatterton camps within yeah. the regiment. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's extraordinary, isn't it? It is really when you think about. Of course, the Germans solve the problem by having their Fallschirmjäger inside the Luftwaffe. It's, it's that, that's, that, that's it fixed, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. It's, there, we fixed it for you. So, <laughs> and we don't, <laughs> we don't offer, after Operation Granite, you know, even a Mel, we we don't do that. And there's all that wrangling that goes on all through 1940, and you know, and the and of course, a lot of the the main disciples of the of the RAF, Trenchard's disciples, they don't believe in it. And, and you know that, that great the great quotes about glider pilots being corporal in the infantry, etc. Yeah, but yeah. You know, a lot of it is, is one of Churchill's better ideas and better causes he champions that we do need this. And you mentioned the Rock and Chatter. If, if anything could divide a group of veteran glider pilots in a room in a, in a pub one night, it's it's the Rock Chatterton de- debate about which one. Well, are you a rock guy or a Chatterton guy? Is, it, is that basically it? Ooh, well, it pretty much, pretty much was actually. Yeah, if you were one of the early guys, I remember talking to Jock East, who was a Sicily veteran, etc. You know, and he was in the rock camp, and most right. of the young guy, early guys were because they went through training with Rock. Yeah, and Rock was one of them. You know, and he he and he would never ask them to do anything he wouldn't do himself. You know, and Chatterton is just this completely different animal. Yeah, yeah. To, what, to, to tell me, I mean, I've read Chatterton's book, and I've got a pretty good yeah. idea of his character. But I mean, what, what's your take on him? Well, he's an old Etonian, isn't he? I don't, um, and that's not a no, true generalisation. I'm just going to say he's one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As is Browning, he's good mates with Browning. They, he teaches Browning to fly, you know, and yeah. 
Which is why they're hanging out together. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, Grenadier Guards, Dunkirk, you know, and he, so he, he's in the Queen's, Queen's race. So he's, he's Royal Air Force, same time as Barda. He's in his accident. He comes out and then he gets back in and he's, he's into the he's in the BEF in 1940s, part of the Queen's Regiment. He's an infantry officer. He sees the Coldstream Guards and the Grenadier Guards withdrawing good order to Dunkirk, marching down the beach, etc. And, and he's mightily impressed by all of that and everything else he saw of them in, in the campaign. And he's the, I think when you read between the lines, he's a very good second in, in command. Brock is a, is a, is a good leader and a, a doer and I think, and Chatterton is the staff, is the staff officer. But yeah. He's also, he's a, he's a qualified RAF pilot. He's a fighter pilot by trade. Yeah. So he, he can talk to the RAF in their own language, I suppose, yeah. is the, is, yeah. is, the, is part of it. I mean, yeah. the, the, the fact, the, I mean, it, Obviously, you need you're going to get different characters like this appearing in this kind mm. of organisation, aren't you? Because yeah. it's because it's new and it's not mm. established its culture yet. After all, if you if you go into the guards, the guards' culture is established. If you go into the Royal Engineers, their culture is established. But this is a thing inventing itself, sort of, sort of yeah. like a, it, it's like a petri dish with mould in it. You don't, you, you yeah. know, they, don't yeah. they don't know where yeah. it's where it's going to go. Yeah. But, but but it's also the problem that it, I mean, is he a bit of a dilettante? I mean, is he is he kind of is he too posh for his own good? I don't know. I mean, you know, can he can he relate to the kind of? Well, you've got to you've got to, to the lads. It's not like the Royal Flying Corps before it, is it? it you've got a, 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 a regiment that's ninety percent senior NCOs, and most of those senior NCOs have come from being junior NCOs. You know, I used to talk to some of the uh, guys who were like Mike Dauncey and people like that, and say being a lieutenant in a regiment of sergeants and staff sergeants, you know, was no easy ride. You know, and um, it was. Um, very different, a very different organization pre Sicily to after Sicily as well, and under Rock and under Chatterton. Um, and you can see, you can see where Chatterton go, wants to go with it. And, and actually, you know, all of his idea of a total soldier, a lot of the glider parts, well, what a load of rubbish that was, you know, we, we never yeah. believed in that. But you know, it, it proofs in the pudding at Arnhem, you know, of, of what, what, they, what those men are capable of. And I never, ever, ever heard one of them call themselves elite in any way, never ever but you know pretty much you know i want you to be a, a same qualifies elementary flying qualification as a fighter pilot then i want you to go and be an infantry battle, battle school sergeant oh then you can fly heavy gliders and by the way anything in the back radio weapon or vehicle you need to be able to use Bloody you know that, hell. yeah so you're expecting quite a lot of them aren't you you are you are oh oh and you've got to be really good at drill because Chatterton thinks drill yes. is really important. Because <laughs> that's his thing, isn't it? But they, they, they have some pushback on that. He has some pushback on that, doesn't he? It, it, he it's it's not necessarily popular the the sort of bullshit end of things. No, from Chatterton, is it? No, it's not. And uh, and a lot of the guys do rail back, but he uses it as a vehicle at the start to get rid of the hundreds and hundreds of guys he doesn't need. Yeah. You know, if you rock up at the railway station and your buttons are undone or whatever, right? You, you're no good. You're, you're not good enough to go. That's another way to get another one. Got rid of. You know. Yeah. And you yeah. work your way through it because they can take anyone apart from tank crews because tank crews are you're not allowed to use tank crews. Right. So everyone in the army in 1942 wants to get into the wants to fly, but hasn't got any exams or whatever. Can't get in the air force. Well, I'll go fly gliders in the, in the in the army. And you know, and if you talk to the guys, one of the first things they always say is, "You got to live in a mess with sheets." <laughs> that was it. You know, <laughs> you lived in an RAF mess and you got sheets and you and you got to fly. You know, which you'd never have got to do as a, a pioneer, a corporal or an infantry corporal or whatever. You know, so there's a lot of uh, kudos and a lot of incentive to do it. How many how many hours would they get on on a, on horses when when they? The, I mean, obviously, like you say before, not very many before Sicily. Well, no. that's what I was just going to say. Is that there's obviously, like you, you've alluded to, the, the culture change after Sicily. Yeah. Um, and also, it's also stepping up for D-Day as much as as much as a change of culture. The lessons of Sicily, isn't it? It's like. Yeah. They're sort of dropping gears, and and they've got to they've got to yeah. flesh the thing out properly, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean this, yeah, yeah, they have, and they they they, they go through the basic aptitude tests, and then they get into Tiger Moth or Magister, and do fixed wing flying, you know, with people treating them like Cecil Lewis, Sagittarius Rising. He's one of their instructors, you know, and all right. these guys who pop, pop up against him. Oh, I wonder what happened to him. There he is, flying <laughs> Tiger Moth with glider pilots in it. You know, great. <laughs> imagine having him as your your tutor. You know, so uh, uh, and. So pre, as James has just hinted at, pre Sicily, the guys have a, a, some of them got eight hours on Horsa and one at night. 
you know, and they're building their own God. It's a separate story, I know. It, building their own God is living in the crates and all of that, and they're a different bunch of guys. And it's interesting that when they come to form the Hamilcar Squadron, Sea Squadron, they they take all the Sicily veterans and stick them in, in, in the Hamilcar Squadron. And it's unusual also that they take they adopt the RAF system where you choose your co-pilot. Right. So it, it's very very different system with Sea Squadron. So they're you know. Not elite, but different. You know, they're flying the Hamilcar on, on top of everything else. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on top of being a good phrase in yeah. some cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or yeah. underneath it. Um, yeah, exactly. But you know, uh, the, the, the the modular system, Hotspur glider, which you know the, the, has its own problems at the start, and and then conversion to Horsa, and you've got this total soldier thing going on, which can take you almost a year to get you know, the whole thing done. Yeah. Um, and the, but they're good pilots. They've got the hours, etc. And then they realise with, with with Normandy coming up in the next year, it's, we're just not going to have enough pilots using this model. So they go to on the literally on the job training. You do the basic, and then you go to uh, instead of going to heavy gliders, you you go you go to a squadron as a second pilot, and you, right. you become a first pilot on the squadron. So you, and, a, and a second pilot is a sergeant, and a first pilot is a staff sergeant. Gosh, because because yeah. I mean I, the the. I mean, one of the things that immediately springs to mind is these are expensive soldiers, aren't they? They are, and that's why you know they never they get that like, get out of jail chip for uh, for Normandy. Yeah, and, and because we've only ever got enough glider pilots to fly one division's worth of gliders. Yeah, and we've got two airborne divisions. Yeah, so yeah. we and we make that mistake in in Sicily after Sicily to, to going to Toronto where we say, oh well. Hopkinson, God bless him, decides, oh, we'll use them as infantry. We'll just send them across to Toronto to occupy to occupy Toronto. You know, it's madness. Yeah. Did you, uh, so, although, you know, when they go on the market garden, one wing is uh, is divisional reserve at the Hartenstein and two wing is, is the air landing brigade reserve and takes phenomenal casualties in that role. Yeah. But they're only ever meant to be there for 48 hours and out. Yeah, so you could see why the Americans don't, they haven't, adopted this model at all and their their glider pilots go and smoke fags um in yeah. the divisional area basically and wait, wait to be re- relieved yeah or, or cause more trouble because you know gavin's letter after market garden talks about how he employed his glider pilots as uh, to carry ammunition forward carry medical supplies etc direct traffic and he gave them a job yeah but the other division didn't and they were just causing firefights, going looting, doing what, or just getting in the way generally. And he advocates adopting the British system after right. Market Garden for, right, for, for American glider pilots. Uh, so, uh, but their whole concept's built differently. Our, our concept is built the Horsa glider, thanks to Rock, is built around a platoon. Hmm. And you know the, the Waco, and it is a Waco, not a Waco. Uh, <laughs> so I've been corrected so many times by, by glider pilots over the years. You know, it is two behind one Dakota or whatever is going to pull it. You know, with with the jeep or the gun, one in each, and or the infantry splitting up, you're gonna you're gonna separate them straight away. Yeah, but uh, and, it, and it's it flies differently. It's got spoilers on top of it on the upper surfaces, so it almost alights onto the ground. So it's easier to fly, shorter training program, which is all very good on a on a nice clear day in Arizona or wherever you are. But you know, if you're going to hot landing zone and people are actually firing, you want to get down as quickly. As safely as you can, and that's the hawser with its yeah. barn door flaps. Yeah, which sort of does a like a tactical land style landing, doesn't yeah. it? It comes yeah. in and it drop you drop the nose and you're down. Yeah, because that is my pet hate. You know, James was trying to get goad me earlier. That is my pet hate. Is is the uh, oh they crashed their gliders? They didn't crash their gliders. They landed it. It might have been a forced landing in the Pegasus Bridge. You know, they knew what they were doing. It was deliberate. They didn't crash their gliders. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because originally the hawser was designed to jettison the wheels on takeoff mm. and land on the skid. And yep. uh, and then they found actually the wheels were quite robust and the brakes were good and it was better for steering when you landed. So they kept them on. Uh, so apart from turkey buzzers, when they flew to Morocco, they ditched them because of the drag. And carried a spur set in the back. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and Chalky, yeah. tell me a little bit more about, about Comet. And, uh, you know, you told me about Jim Woolwork. Um, and you know, obviously, he's 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 the man furthest from the bridge on Sicily, yeah. the man closest to the bridge on uh, for Normandy for Pegasus yeah. Bridge, and then for Comet, he's going to land right on top of the bridge. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah, yeah. So 
Comet, uh, as most listeners will know, is is the earlier version of Market Garden, but just British only, one division, a brigade at each each of the main major bridgeheads, rather than one, you know, three divisions spread. And it, it, as I said earlier, it, it, it's going on in the wake of the collapse of the Germans in, in Belgium and Holland. It's like, well, we, could, we could do this, you know, and we all know about Monty going to Brussels and talking to Eisenhower and coming up with a plan. Yeah. So that what happens, it, it's done at much shorter notice. And I, I talked to Jim Walk about it quite a few years ago. I said, OK, what did you do on Comet? And he said, well, I was, I was told I was going to lead a flight of five gliders with a, a company of KOSB in the back. With uh, Major Buchanan, who is the, from the Whiskey family, was the OC, the company commander. And they were slated to land on the mudflats right next to Nijmegen Bridge, yeah. all six gliders. And But there were no rehearsals, uh, one set of orders, no practices not on the ground. You know, the, the KOSB were just told, get in the back of the glider, off you go. And um, I said, well... How did you feel about that? You know, after after Pegasus Bridge, he said, I, I couldn't believe it. He said, we, we were, we, Arthur Shackleton told me he thought it was a suicide mission. Yeah. And Jim Warwick said to me, uh, him and Pierce and his co-pilots, we're, we're going to land and surrender because we're going to be captured straight away. Yeah. They thought it was a one-way trip so yeah. far behind enemy lines. But then, you know, when you when you zoom out and look at what was going on in the, the operational and strategic level at the time, you think, there's quite a state of flux then, you know, and the advent of urban forces, although Nijmegen had an SS training school in it, you know, yeah. or two, so uh, it might have been a, a bit difficult. But uh, at the time, would 30 Corps have been able to stick the pedal to the metal and whiz through or not? And this is what's so endlessly fascinating about Market Garden, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but Comet, I, I think if they'd taken the good elements of Comet and, and done a coup de on it, it wasn't even the Arnhem Road Bridge. If they yeah. captured the Arnhem Road Bridge both ends, you still need to go on further to the south, don't you? That's the whole, those 20 odd bridges you need. You know, you, you need them all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to do it. Because uh, the, the Comet was that was was four power brigade doing uh, um, uh, Eindhoven, wasn't it? Mm. Air landing doing the middle and first yeah. power brigade doing yeah. the top. Yeah. So, so it would have, so there would have been gliders on the Grava Bridge as well. And yeah. all uh, uh, and all that sort of thing. So re- really, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know Normandy, and we point I like banging on about is the only bit of the Normandy plan that goes according to plan is Pe- is Pegasus Bridge. Yeah, everything else goes awry. Oh God, yeah. And yet they achieve their aims. And yet they still achieve. And yet they still achieve their aims. And then after all, because because the whole thing's successful, you don't need to. You don't. You don't investigate how harebrained some of the planning might have been. No. You know, you look at the Merville battery plan, the, for landing the gliders on top of the battery, those guys with the luminous yeah. skulls and cross bones on their <laughs> smocks. I mean, that's yeah. all, that's all totally harebrained, isn't it? And I, Yeah, I stood and, there last week and told that story. I gave those orders. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. It's completely nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it and, is. And, and, and yet, normally success, so we don't... So we don't get too hung up on, uh, you know, the fact that the, the the intelligence isn't quite right as to who they're going to face in Normandy. No. Um, six airborne and and the fact that you know the the, the drops the drops are, are so chaotic that you know Rosevier's explosives have gone somewhere else and all you know all that sort of yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yet with Market Garden because it goes badly, we we you know we 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 parse it, it all very very yeah. finely and find yeah. all the all the all the things that are glaring errors, you know. Yeah, if you read the post-operational report for the glider pilot regiment from Normandy, it basically says we're most likely to be used in the anti-sniper role. So two of us, two two in each flight, should be given sniper rifles and sniper trained, uh, with two extra guys with Sten Mark. Get rid of the Thompson machine gun. We need we need the Sten Mark Five. Uh, and then there's a bit about oh the Bergen. We yeah. current because we don't we don't have our own indigenous uh, integral cook cook support, so we we need to carry everything. So we need Bergens. So you see them in Arnhem with all the pictures around the Crema house with yeah. Bergens on their backs. Uh, and we don't need a torch because one part of the glider equipment scaling. Uh, and there's a few of the little, oh, the red theophane lights don't work. The green ones do. <laughs> yeah, and that's about it, really. There's nothing about the flying side of it, unless that was wrapped up in the RAF, you know, 38 yeah. group report or whatever. Um, and the rest of it is, is, yeah, all good to go. Let's do it again. Right. That's because fascinating. Chaos reigns, but you know, but then that takes us into the cancelled operations, doesn't it? How many times you go through that that loop of being told you're locked down in the old sense of the word and not allowed out of camp, and yeah. we're going to go. And those 
wild oats, linnet one, linnet two, all those different operations and crossing the Seine. And, and some of those are, are mad. Yeah. If you look at the plan for linnet, you think, oh my God, no one's coming back from that one. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, you'd be a Soviet-scale disaster, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, absolutely. You know, But it, it's the old coins burning a hole in the pocket sort of thing. We've got to use yeah. these airborne forces yeah. uh, or else. Well, that is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an indisputable point that if you've got an Allied airborne army, you might as well use it. Yeah. And you're running out of people. Um, yeah. yeah. You're running out yeah. of infantry. There's going to, yeah. At some point, you're going to have to decide. Because after all, 52nd Lowland, the moment... Hmm. Uh, Market Gardens over right. You're you're coming out of strategic, strategic yeah. reserve. We're just going to use you. You're not going to have you yeah. sitting around waiting to be air landed. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We'll take a very brief break, and we'll be back in a second with more of this with uh, d- d- deep deep diving. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, James Holland and Mike Chalky-Peters, who is giving us, we're we're sucking hard on the Glider Pilot Regiment pipe right now, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) so to speak. We are, but it's appropriate. We've just been here. No, it's it's, it's absolutely fascinating, um, all this, Mike. Um, So Normandy, Normandy is characterised by by coup de main, but actually what happens, the the, the big Glider Pilot contribution to Normandy is the the second lift, isn't it? Is the is the yeah. Operation Tonga and Operation Mallard, you know, yeah. and if it if it does nothing else, it turns twenty one Panzer around. Yeah, because they see them coming in and think, hey, we're not gonna, well, well, let's get let's get out of here, you know, let's get out of Dodge, you know. Um, and if, you know, you we were talking in the first half about um, things that went wrong. You know, they tried they tried to use Tetrak tanks on in Normandy, and they never got off the landing zone because of the parachute paracord strewn all across the landing zone. You know, it's like well, that's, and that's always one of the great what ifs of market gone? What if Goff had had Tetrak or, you know, I think, yeah, a Panzerfaust would make pretty much short think, work of a Tetrak. I think he'd have, <laughs> yeah, he'd yeah, have, he'd have run into trouble. <laughs> For those who don't small. know, these are very, very small paratanks. Yeah. 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 You can go and see but, one at the tank museum. Yeah. It's, it's mightily unimpressive. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I mean, the big surprise they did get it deliver was the 17 pounder because no, the Germans hadn't expected that. And that comes in in the, in the Hamilcar. Yeah, much more like it. But, but but with probably the worst prime mover to move it around the battlefield possible, the old Morris three-ton thing, it breaks down all the time, you know, and, and that's one of the problems they have. And the glider pilots are involved in that because they are, if you're a glider pilot carrying a 17-pounder or a six-pounder, you stay with that gun and you serve that gun and, and operate it. Is that uh, so? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And the gun line, the, uh, the air landing in artillery, their, their, their local defence is provided by the glider pilots who fly them in. 
Right. So that's where G Squadron are with my so, Dauncey down by the church. Yeah. So that's how yeah, so that's how G Squadron end up round the round the battery, right? Um, Correct. Right, yeah. okay. So they're the, okay, right. Uh, they, they take eight seventeen pounders, don't they? And two yeah. end up two end up um uh stuck in you know, inaccessible, don't they, after mm. landing. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, that's right. And, and a couple and, uh, end up outside the Hartenstein. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, is you, as, as, as you, you know, an anti-tank weapon is an ambush weapon, Yeah. you know, and the tank comes to you. And, and if you read the accounts, there's more and more, certainly with the six-pounders, they're trying to move the six-pounders around to get the tanks because yeah. they haven't got enough of them, et cetera. Yeah. And, and uh, a 17-pounder isn't about to be manhandled very far at all. Although, you know, knock out anything that comes its way. Yeah. So... Um, that's one of the big issues, you know, and I do think Urquhart gets a bad press in some cases because, you know, he he front loads that for a first lift with as many anti-tank guns as he can get into it. Yeah. Yeah, he knows what's he knows what's possible, what's potentially going to happen. But so, you could uh, argue that, that, do you think that was a mistake or do you think that was quite sensible? I mean, that's I, what I, think, I, I, think, I don't think he, you know, without that, going back to what Al just said about Comet, you know, you, you, an airborne division in World War Two, as we know, is three brigades. You've got your parachute brigade, who are your attack dogs, and they're much lighter, you know, and you've got your air landing brigade, two two power brigades and your and your air landing brigade. An air landing battalion within that brigade got twice as many machine medium machine guns as a normal battalion, twice as many anti-tank guns, and twice as many mortars. Mm-hmm. So to, to compensate for that. So that's your heavy punch that comes in because it comes by glider. So um, you know, they they really do need to work together. And mm. it's a question of which one you put on the ground for. So Going back to the plan, sending the attack dogs to grab the bridge, mm, that makes sense. You know, yeah. bringing in your heavy tank, anti-tank guns and your mortars, etc. reinforce, and then holding on to that firm base for your second lift. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I can go with that. But the second thing is, don't bother the second lift, then you haven't got to hold the people back and they can all go to the bridge. Well, or, yeah, or, yeah, but then if... Eindhoven, Nijmegen and all the other bridges haven't been taken because you've not supported them properly with the right lift and et cetera then. You know, because is that I always get... People so it's the bottom me, line, is it's just not enough for the job? It's just not, not <laughs> enough for everything. It's, it's, it's quite ambitious. It's the Germans <laughs> at the bottom. The Germans are the bottom line, aren't they? Like I say, if you did it a week before, 10 days before, the Germans were not in the same state. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, to have, you know, second SS Panzer Corps just cooling their heels nearby... You know, yeah, and, and Modal's headquarters, Modal's headquarters in Oosterbeek. You know, that's just that's just bad, isn't it? You know, he's, he, the man, the, the the only man on the Western Front who can make a decision straight away happens to be on the spot before and before you've even rolled off the drop zone or landing zone. The, the second SS Panzer are already on on the way. Beatrix moving his troops already. You know, it's um, yeah. And, and as Al said, why why are why does it take so long for First Airborne to get moving? And when they do get moving, they don't all go that quickly, do they? No, no. Um, well, so my, get- my, I mean, the, the thing that I've been putting to Al and, and I've been saying is, is why have you got, you know, no, forget Laffrey and his hour. I mean, that's appalling. But mm. but why is it they're coming down at kind of, you know, one fifty, two o'clock, something like that? Mm. And, and, oh, I know why that. You, that you is, know, that and, the, and, the, and the recce squadron's not going to... 3.30, it was just like, get yeah. a move on. And, and I mean, why why it, can't you just say, you don't need to assemble because mm. first, because you're paratroopers, you, you can mm. use your initiative. You know, every, everyone was coming down willy-nilly and on D-Day and they all managed to do their, their job, no problem. So well, let's go get back a move to, on, just go straight well, to the bridge. Why not two lifts in a day is, is the eternal question. And you say, well, actually, because of the, the amount of lift and you've got to go bottom up, but also... Uh, the Allied Tactical Air Force needs the half of the day to destroy the anti-aircraft en route. Yeah. So when, whenever they you look at it, it's like, yeah, we could just go in in the morning. Well, actually, no, you can't because you know we need to. We've got a thousand fighter escort. We've got all, all the all all tactical air on this side of the channel is going to be knocking out anti-aircraft. All the tactical air on the English side of the channel is, is escorting. You know, and it's all got to be cleared. Those those lanes have got to be cleared because once they're on the ground, the Germans know where you are. Those lanes are going to get quite busy. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. My, my my point is more is is that once you've come down on the landing zone, everyone's mm. sort of neatly forming up into their battalions and units and platoons and companies mm. and all the rest of it. And my point is, why you don't need to do that? All you need to do is uh, just hot foot it to the bridge ASAP. You can form up well, at the bridge. I, I would say this, wouldn't I? But if you'd used the glider battalions, that wouldn't have happened. 
because <laughs> if you look at the if you look at the photo imagery of the glider battalion landings, 67, 68 gliders per battalion, they're all in one end of the field, all together, all yep. no need to, all with their kit on. Yep. Just go. Just go. Yep. Well, you know, that's, that's 2020. That's quite, you have to admit, whichever which way you look at it, there's quite a lot of faffage going on Yeah. at, at the drop zone and landing zone. But is that because of... Um, I think it's because it's a big, big flat space and everyone's, you know, and, and it's so becalmed and you just think, oh, yeah. no, we're all right, we've got plenty of time here. Or is it because you, you know, you're worried about the enemy, you don't know where they are, I think we, we all need to be together before we set off, you know. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. I think it's that and it's memories of Sicily where everyone's scattered all yeah. over and you you, yeah. you want you want to be able to make, you know, Hackett calls it a most untidy battle, doesn't he, when he mm. arrives at the Hartenstein. Which is yeah. really telling, I think. That's that yeah. he's he he wants to fight a, a tidy battle, and yeah. you you don't if you're you don't. But he would though, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, he would. Of course he would. Yeah. But you, you don't if you're airborne. You know. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, That's not sort of not not what you're. You're, you're not in the tidiness trade, are you? You're there no. to cause a mess. Yeah. And and I think it's it's really interesting that that that's that's what he's what he's thinking. And 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 you know, Urquhart's endlessly trying to grip and coordinate. All mm. the time, and impose on the certainly the battle in the town. He's forever trying to impose his authority. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, yeah. and and it's such a contrast to Brigadier Hill, isn't it? He goes, yeah. Don't worry if there's lots of chaos because there definitely will be. Yeah, yeah. you know, words that effect. Yeah, yeah. None of the none of the first airborne brigadiers are saying anything like that, are they? No, I think that's that's we were talking about the culture of the two divisions. They're yeah. very different, very different in the way they've, they've been developed. Or, melded together or not melded together as, as you might say yeah yeah um, I mean, so chalky is... chalky sorry i mean you've met loads of glider pilots who were who were on them i mean you know if you got they must have told you some good yarns why didn't they oh oh crikey yeah i mean um i mean the most modest of all is mike daunty you know yeah. who recommended for the vc and gets the dso you know and, and when he he, his 93rd birthday, we invited him down to the attack helicopter force when I used to work there, and we had to name the conference room after him and put up on the wall, we put the citation. You know, and I, and I said to him, how did you feel about when you saw that citation with BC crossed out, DSO written on it, and BLM, Bernard Law Montgomery, signed underneath it? He said, I was damn lucky to get a DSO, you know, as, as, wow. a, as a young lieutenant. You know, and his his... He's, he's wounded three times in the battle. And one of them is he's, he's at a window. And he, and he told me this story. He stood by the window. We'd been to see Kate to Horse and we were outside the house. And he said, this is where I was on the perimeter. He said, I had a composite platoon of glider pilots, sappers and paras and all, all, all odds and sods. And um, we were holding the area around here around the bakery. I said, and there was a German sniper. So he said, we, we couldn't see who, where he was. So he said, I, I just kept exposing myself to the sniper. And I think he meant in on the biblical sense, but he kept stepping out in the window <laughs> to draw fire. And then the sniper fired, hit the window frame, which is a metal window frame, and a, a splinter of metal went straight in his eye. And he said, it, it was awfully inconvenient. <laughs> so as he did in, in good Pathé News uh, English. But then he described then getting one of the paras to sit him down on the curbstone with two matchsticks, trying to get the splinter out of his eye so he could carry on normal jogging and keep on Was he blinded him. by it? He was, yeah, yeah. So if ever you, if ever you were on a parade with him, uh, and I think in 2010 he was the airborne uh, pilgrimage leader, he, he, I stood next to him, he said, just tell me when they get when to salute because I can't see them come from that side. You know? Wow. But Amazing. I talked to him about Browning, you know, and, uh, oh, yeah, do say. And he said when he was nominated for the DSO and he was due to go to booking, he found out in Flight Magazine. Nobody told him officially. It was in Flight Magazine. He, he, he read it in the, in the mess. They'd been awarded the DSO. And he said, and he said, then a letter arrived and it was it was from Browning. Boy Browning uh, basically sent, sent him his own wings and said, you're a second pilot. You can't go to see the king be, as, a, as a second pilot. I'm making you first pilot and here are my wings. Which wow. I thought challenged the stereotype of Browning completely, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. We didn't give Browning that hard a time, did we? When no, we, we were didn't over there last week. No. We didn't. We didn't. Oh, I, good. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, you know, landing his landing his headquarters in Nijmegen uh, is a is a peculiar thing to have done. Let's just leave half it at that. Half a battalion lift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. ah, what did you do that for? But, but um, yeah. I, I think, mean, I think that's made fact, a difference you know, because. 
Well, I think it might have because that half the battalion would have been there maybe. Yeah. But but, mm. but also, everyone had an eye on the end of the war just before Market Garden. It was all going to be over by Christmas. You know, yeah. use these forces before you lose them. You know, yeah. justify the existence. I mean, one of the things I always think about is airborne forces didn't start until 1940 with the Germans. We don't really get going until 42. The Germans have mercury in Crete and they're coming the other way saying, yeah, been that, never going to do that again on a large scale, you know, whatever. They're coming back down the development road in the opposite direction. And we and the Americans are charging you the way, going, hey, airborne forces, airborne, this is great, this is great, because you know, we've got air superiority or whatever, whatever. You know, and the learning curve to go from Bruneval, you know, through to, to Varsity in that short, with so few op- actual, actual real being the, the attack on the radar station. Yeah, yeah. To do that and, you know, and get all the way to, to Varsity where you're crossing the Rhine with so few operational drops, it's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and, you, and you're going to, there are going to be a lot of casualties along the way, you know. And I, but, you know, the, the casualties at Arnhem are not because of the drop, are they? No. It's min- you know, minimal. It's a Sunday drop. You know, Arthur Shackleton told me a story about capturing the, the German guy who's in, in the barn with the Dutch girl, you know, his trousers around his ankle sort of thing, and he's suddenly surrounded by half of the Air London Brigade, you know. It's just, you know, it, it, but then it, it's not long after that, that famous photograph of the three glider pilots with the SS guys in front of them. That's in the in the wake of the uh, Wolfhaze amb- ambush, the Goff ambush. Yeah. And those three glider pilots, uh, Joe Kitchener, Duffy Edwards and George Milburn, and they 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 were on the fringe of the, of that battle, and uh, they they said, you know, these we suddenly realised we, what we'd seen at the landing zone were old men on bicycles, you know, odds and sods, supply units, etc. These guys were from Crafts Battalion, training battalion, you know, and, and if you ever look at that picture again, if you look at the guy on the extreme right, he's a really nasty archetypal Nazi concentration camp looking guy you know yeah yeah and and they said you know we had constant problems with him and then he said we shot him when he was trying to escape because he tried he did try and escape so you know it, it's just so we said but straight away at that at that moment when we had those four guys we were like mm, this doesn't fit the in brief this is not what we were <laughs> this is yeah. not what we were expecting you know alarm yeah. bells were beginning to ring with those guys already yeah, is, is, does Louis Hagen describe being in the vicinity of that ambush? He does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a bit when they're all in a field waiting to move forward, and then they and then they yeah. go back. Yeah, they're, they're, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and because he basically spends because uh, a, a lot of his time waiting. You know, he doesn't get mm. he doesn't get really involved in battle until the perimeters formed, does he? Yeah, that's right. He spends a lot yeah. of his time sort of not hanging around, but like mm. not not doing anything much. Mm. Um, that's right. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm just a- sorry. I'm just looking at that picture now, actually, Chalky, because you sent it to me the other day. So yeah. which is the guy they shot? The guy on the right. The one on the right. Yeah, they really. He does look like a. Yeah. Jim, can you send it? Gun. Send it to me so I can have a look. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know. <laughs> I mean, the, ba- the 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 battle in the in the perimeter is 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 fascinating, isn't it? Because you do have this thing where uh, lines get shortened and it get it sort of gets tidied up. Mm. Uh, as the uh, as the days progress because i mean we we went up to the white house you know the, which is the barrier of the kosb position which they then they then do move sort of half a block back or block mm, back right, yeah. don't they yeah. away yeah. away from the railway line because they're under so much pressure and i think one of the things that's you know that, that that's that's um you know really really interesting about it is how intense that fighting is and and how everyone's Pell-mell on top of each other because we went to the uh, Leppensweg, that hedge, the famous hedge with in the photograph, and tried to figure out what they're what they're doing. And they're they're, they're facing the road as it comes Utrechtsweg as it comes into the west of the Oosterbeek perimeter. And there's that house between. So you can you could you know walking the ground, we were starting to able to actually piece together how they're how they were doing the um, running the perimeter, but it's just. That that Urquhart's trying to control it, and he's shortening his lines, and he's making those sort of decisions and moving people about, and you know, and uh, uh, you know, he's acting it, like a company commander, isn't he? It's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Just, it's, 
Yeah. And, and what you need when you do that is an aerial photograph from 44 or 45, and you see how much more rural that area is. Because yeah. it's so yeah. built up now. It's yeah. far more open. And, yeah. and, and, you know, although there is a fair bit of urban scrapping going around, around yeah. the streets, yeah. but uh, yeah. it's a very wealthy suburb. Yeah, generally, and um, it's quite open in places, especially certainly down by the river. Yeah, it's, it's very wide, wide open. Well, and the stretch that the border regiment are in, yeah, is is very is is very sort of rural and you know leafy uh, and woody, leafy and, and hollows and, and and all that sort of stuff. Oh, you, you should have seen me. What? You should have seen me, Chucky. Literally, every every slight scrape in the ground was yeah. the remains of a foxhole. Mortar. <laughs> what, what you need is a nice piece I of high ground. It, raised his eyebrow, yeah. sort of you know, <laughs> unconvinced. Well, what you need is a nice piece of high ground that dominates that whole. Oh yeah, there is one, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't in Bowery, but it yeah, wasn't in yeah. the orders. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we did go there. That was great. I mean, yeah. one thing I, I'm looking at, looking at these these four SS blokes and yeah, their I'm uniforms. Looking at them now. I mean, yeah. Jesus, that's that's good camo, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, good camouflage. But, um, but they do. I mean, so I can't quite. The guy on the right looks like his hands come off, or has he just got his hand in his pocket? He's got his hand in his pocket. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, they look like proper desperados, don't they? They do, don't they? I mean, the guy, the guy second in from the left, he looks like yeah. a proper Hitler youth, just out yeah. of training, straight yeah, into yeah. the Waffen SS. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. The other guy, yes. the one next to him, doesn't look like the sharpest tool in the shed. No, he doesn't. And the, and the one on right <laughs> just looks like a murdering bastard. He does, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not that I want to kind of, you know, no, be. Uh, sweeping no. in my uh, assessment without any cause <laughs> for the listener we'll put this picture up so you can um draw your yeah. own uh conclusions yeah. at 80 80 more than almost 80 years distance um i mean mike what i mean it's all very well urka afterwards saying we'd have gone again had we known the risks mm. is that was that the attitude of the glider pilots that you that you knew no it wasn't no they um well, they would have, as in, you know, in order to. Yeah, but yeah. but um, the, it, the glider pilot regiment goes in goes into into Arnhem at, at the zenith of its strength, really. Yeah. You know, and you know they they fly in six hundred and sixty seven gliders. It's two battalions worth, so that's thirteen hundred and thirty four glider pilots going to Arnhem. You know we. We've taken since 1942 to build that force up, and, and we've always got enough gliders. We've, ne- we've always got a couple of thousand gliders on hand in storage. So gliders aren't the problem; it, it's people to fly them. Um, so they, the casualties are, are, are very heavy, and when they get back, you know, it's Sicily casualties were heavy, but there weren't as many glider pilot units to choose from at that point. But when the two wings go into there and are involved in all the the real nitty gritty of the fighting and they're involved in every, I always say to people when I talk about it, that, you know, they, they, they fly the first wave in and they, they mark the route out. And in between every single part of the battle, because of the nature of their role, they're attached to every single cat badge. They're involved in every bit of the, every bit of it. So, um, and some, for some of them, it's their first ever battle. Uh, so yeah, it, I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of regret about the number of guys who died there, you know, particularly uh, those that, you know, some, the German, the German Jews guys who, who were, who were Austrian, who were glider pilots. The, you know, I mean, if you look at the, the two different wings, one wing glider pilot regiment was the Div Reserve under Ian Murray. They had 131 killed, God, uh, wow, that's a lot 253 prisoners of war. Now, if you look at the figures for no known grave, there are 46 glider pilots with no known grave. And uh, 29 of those are in one wing who are around the Hartenstein. And the reason that they're no known graves is because their, their bodies are destroyed by artillery fire, the weight of artillery fire on the Hartenstein, because there's no other reason why they would yeah. be, you know, no known grave. Yeah. And, and two wing who are in the thick of the fighting with two air landing because they're filling all the gaps in two air landing brigade in, in the street fighting, etc. under John Place. 228 killed in action. God. 466 prisoners of war. Yeah, so yeah, lot, if yeah. you add you add the wounded to that, yeah. like of Arthur Shackleton who go out on a stretcher, Mike Mike Dauncey, you know they're not going to fly on varsity. No, no. So you know when they say, oh yeah, whichever battalion lost more people, and yeah, uh, but you know I think as a unit the glider pilots paid a very very heavy price for for honor, uh, very heavy price. Well, which is reflected in having to use RAF pilots at, at varsity, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, well, another, that's another interesting story. We talked about that. A whole other tale. <laughs> well, we'll have to get you back on for that one, Chalky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to fly Spitfires. Um, <laughs> <laughs> too, too bad. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I do think they. You know, they 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 they're proud of their place in, in the order of battle and what they did. Um, you know, and the, the way that it's a phenomenal story, as, as I was alluding to at the start, where from development to what it is now. It's it or what it was then at, at the end at Arnhem, you know, it, it was at its peak at Arnhem, yeah, uh, yeah, and um, well equipped, ex- excellently trained, you know, and the, the, you know, that that reads in the, the landing, you know, the, the fact they went by daylight, the number of landings, the number of aborts, etc., you know, delivering complete battalions in, in minutes onto the ground yeah. exactly where they should be at the right time and the right place. Yeah. Well, not the right place. The, the place they were ordered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the place they were ordered to do so, yeah. yeah. So many what-ifs are on there, so many of onlys. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we would, we've been talking about this, obviously, an awful lot, having mm. gone there. And I, I get this sensation when I read about it, each time I read about it, maybe it'll work out this time. When I, when I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe the second lift will come in on time. You know, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, or, or maybe, maybe you know, um, three power won't stop for the night. That they'll, um, yeah, they'll push yeah. through and, and give the Germans the yeah, slip. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we were we were at the Hartenstein and we were at the sort of the new kind of super super display. You know, sort of yeah. um, sort of living history display mm. almost at the, mm. uh, the basement they've got there now and. The last bit is all the prisoners and everything, and you kind yeah. of think, oh, it still hurts, doesn't it? You yeah. Know? Well, yeah, and if you look at that that picture we just shown of the of the four SS guys at the front, the three guys at the back of the guards in that big prison at the tennis court at the end, down by the town hall as well, yeah. they're in that they're in that picture as prisoners. Yeah. So Duffy Edwards is there, he, yeah, he, and yeah. Joe Kitchener, they're both sat there. And Duffy Edwards is the guy helping uh, Lieutenant Cole next to the Stug when they've got the guy and he's got the guy on his shoulder and he's carrying him past the Stug. Yeah, yeah. That's Duffy Edwards as well. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. You know, and it's, and there's so many subtexts and stories. You know, the two guys who are wearing kilts, Ogilvy and Strathern, yeah, they're, they're glider pilots. Yeah, you know, it's um, they're an, they're an interesting and varied bunch of people and. What they've gone through to get from Sicily to, to Normandy to that is 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 staggering, really, transformation wise. Um, now you've written a, you've written. Because uh, I was going to say, if anyone wants to, anyone wants to, you know, what 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 is there to read? I mean, apart from your, I mean, your <laughs> well, glider pilots on Sicily, or glider pilots on them. Well, 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 because I because I you know I read the I got the Chatterton official by, history of the Army Air Corps about to come out. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, the Chatterton book's good, good fun. Uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, in a kind of I won the war way. Yeah, there's the old Lawrence Wright um, wooden sword, which is very good, in which Chatterton mm. gets a quarter of a paragraph in the entire book. Yeah, yeah, tells exist. a story, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, well, exactly. Yeah. they clearly, they clearly um, that 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 yeah. stuck with Wright. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously, Mike, aside from your books, and I've, no, I've been... there's um, Steve Wright. Steve Wright has written a couple, not the Steve Wright on the radio, but Steve Stephen Wright. That would be just be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, the same or, or Stephen Wright, the deadpan American comedian. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, Stephen Wright's done one on. He did uh, a Normandy one, which is very yeah. good, yeah. Uh, and he's done one on Varsity, uh, which is very good, very comprehensive. But yeah. uh, and there's Claude Smith's concise history of the Glider Pirate. I don't know if you want to. It's a bit dated, but you know it's all there. You yeah. know, and you mentioned Lou Hagen. Yeah. Um, and there's the, the Glider Pirate Association now um, around. If you can get hold of the old uh, Eagle magazine, which I used to be the editor of, that, yes. that's packed of. Well, well, the Colonel will be familiar with that. Yes, he is very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, I used to check stuff by him. Actually, really? <laughs> he, knows, he knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that yeah, he does. That's part. That's the yeah, problem. It is a problem. <laughs> well, Chalky, Chalky, you and I are back out on the road, aren't we, in October? Doing we are. Yeah, the brothers and arms to tour from. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Cal shot in Hampshire, all the way through yeah. to Karlshofen. Somewhere yeah, between Bremen be, and Hamburg. It's going to be good fun. Yeah, it is. I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. And Chalk Valley as well. I'll be down for that. A few yep. two hooks. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah good. I think I think um, if only somebody would make a TV series about the Glider Pirate Regiment, because you know what a story. You know, and I know there are other great stories to tell as well, but this is just so. And I think if you're going to put a testimony to it, Gavin's letter after Market Garden, 
where he talks about the, the, the weaknesses of the training system for US glider pilots and, and how, how much better the British system is. Yeah, it's brilliant coming, isn't it? Yeah, good like that. He takes the time immediately after Mark Agarm. It's one of the first letters he writes. He's top bloke. It's a burning issue. Well, hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. He's right about glider pilots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, with, with the lid firmly on that <laughs> can of worms, we're not going <laughs> to... Um, we're, not, we're not opening it. We're, we're not, not opening, opening it. it. Um, thanks so much for coming to talk to us. Um, uh, uh, it's. I mean, I could, this is a thing we could talk about all day, really. I, I, yeah. I know we're I certainly could. We're just yeah. getting warmed up, aren't we, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, we will see you all again really, really soon. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Cheerio.